All right, so I'm down here at Haro today. We're here with James. How are you doing, James? Good, good. Two thumbs up. Awesome. Really excited about this one. I know when we posted it on Facebook, the uh, the 90s, 2000s uh, friends, fans of Snap Magazine, Transworld, all the great stuff that you was involved in, we're all really excited, I think, uh, to hear this. You know, so much, you have so much great history. And uh, But I guess before we get into your history and all about you, um, we're at Haro. So tell us about your, uh, yeah, your, your kind of new life. That's not even new life, is it? You tell us about your life at Haro. Yeah, 10 years, 10 years deep now. Um, I think... I think I started back in like maybe March of 2007 or something, um, and uh, yeah, came came over here. Um, it was right when kind of things were ending with with PMX uh, Business News. Um, I had worked with uh, Joe Hawk a few times on you know just doing some different interviews and stuff, and uh, you know when when the news broke, he um, it was super rad. He gave me a call. I think he actually sent me an email and, and just said, "Hey, uh, don't make any moves uh, until until we talk." So yeah, ten years deep now, uh, sales operations manager, janitor, floor sweeper. I make an awesome <laughs> pot of coffee. Um, so yeah, yeah. Horror. Awesome. All right, we'll talk a little bit about horror in a little while, but let's uh, let's go back to the start and uh, where you're from and uh, how you found BMX and uh, yeah, kind of making your way over to, to California. So yeah, tell us about uh, those early days. So uh, originally an East Coast guy, uh, grew up right outside of uh, Washington D.C. in a town called Sterling, Virginia. Uh, started in in '79. Um, oh my god! Way way back. Uh, one of my uh, one of my neighbors um, was was into it just a little bit before I was, um, brought home a, uh, a shiny, uh, candy apple blue, uh, team mongoose frame and told me all about BMX. And from there it was, uh, it was game on, um, got a subscription to BMX action, started memorizing every page I could get my hands on. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, kind of went from there. What was your local track? Well, originally, and only people from Virginia are going to remember this one. Maybe some Maryland guys will remember this one. But originally, it was a track called Starlet uh, way back in the day. Uh, that was in Fairfax. And then it went to... But I guess for anybody that knows me from back there, everybody would say my local track was was Winchester, uh, Virginia. But really, it kind of raced all over the place. Um, if it was MBL, it was Winchester. If it was ABA, it was Columbia. Um, yeah. So... I guess it would probably be a few years later. So Robbie Miranda was the big hero of your state, right? Yeah. Coming, so tell us about your relationship with uh, with Robbie and becoming friends with him and everything. So so I was probably, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, something like that. And, when was uh, this and what kind of year? Man, this must have been probably like um, late, late 80s, maybe early 90s, I think. And I remember... So we we when the MBL season was done, a bunch of us would go over and race race ABA. Um, and I remember like looking in the points, and it was pretty much a sure thing. Like I think just because I went to a lot of races, like I was I I did pretty well in in ABA points for Virginia. And then all of a sudden, like I start seeing this name Robbie Miranda pop up. And at the time, I think he was like twelve. And I'm like, who the heck is this kid? Right. So, but from an early age, like Robbie was, Robbie was a ripper. So, um, kind of got to know him. Uh, I rode at his trails for forever and a day, Capital Trails, um, and that was with Robbie and Adam Watkins and the whole Capital crew. So, um, yeah, I've known I've known Robbie since since he got into it and uh, watched him just blow up from there. Yeah. So I think the first um, first time I had ever heard of Robbie or saw him, I think it was. 
was an interview with Cyclecraft, like a one page with lots of hair. Yeah. Was that Snap then, was it? Or was that even before Snap and something? Maybe in Plus or something? Man, it might have been. But right. I definitely remember. Yeah, Snap. yeah, the blue gear. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's my first time I kind of heard who, who Miranda was. Um, so what about your own racing? Was you good? I mean, how was you? Uh, how did you stack up? I, I was terrible. I was terrible. <laughs> I, I think, so I raced from like... Uh, early eighties through probably like my last serious year would have been like, right, right around 2003, 2004, 2005, somewhere in there. And I was, yeah, horrible. I think the best I ever did was like national 50 one year in like 18 to 20 cruiser or something. The only race I ever did good at was South park. And it was like my, my only claim to fame was that I made an 18 to 20 cruiser main in South Park. And when you looked at that main, the dudes that made that main. Who were they, yeah. Oh, man. It was, uh, so back then it would have been like Wildman, Tony Shinaka, Barry McManus. Um, BJ Gant. Gant I was probably in there. Um, it was, I yeah. mean, it was a main that I had absolutely no business whatsoever, even remotely <laughs> being in. Lucked out in the quarters, lucked out with a relatively easy semi and, yeah, so that's that's the only race I ever did good but at. But Cruiser was legit back then, wasn't it? Actually, still now, if Jason's listening to this, Dr. J. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the, well, just remember when I was following the Nationals, even in Europe, that if you, you could win class, you know, the same guys would be in, in Cruiser as well, you know? So totally. It was always uh, pretty pretty deep. Um, who were some of the guys you looked up to? I know you said Robbie, but was like pros? Was they on your radar? And did you have like pro heroes or? Oh, for sure. Uh, early on, it was Greg Hill. Greg Hill, absolutely. Yeah, the 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 the, the Greg and Stu rivalry. Like, yeah, right. I was I was always a pretty big Greg Hill fan. Um, and then you know from there, so so definitely followed his pro career. Um, probably the most out of anybody. Like when I was young. Um, but I was kind of blessed and cursed at the same time. Cause like a lot of the guys that I really looked up to were dudes that were in my class. So like when I turned expert in 86, like made the mistake, you know, first race of the season was just this terrible, like mud race in North Carolina turned expert. And it was like, oh my gosh, it, ridiculous. Like you start, it was uh, Carter, Mike King, Dave oh, wow. Cullinan. Oh my God, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. just the most ridiculous. A terrible 10. A terrible 10, dude, <laughs> right. So like turned expert and just automatically got, I mean, it was just a massacre every single race. Like I wasn't even remotely in the, in the same league. So so I always looked up to Eric Carter, thought he was super rad. Mm-hmm. Um, bike handling skills were ridiculous. And then, you know, from there it was, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, kind of the mid-school guys, um, always impressed with guys like Mario Soto, um, just dudes that know how to ride bikes. Yeah. Now, did you, was the Fosters kind of around at the same time as you then before they came out here? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of funny. Um, Alan and I, although like we've, I've, I've actually got photos in a home album of Alan <laughs> and I racing together in, um, like Tanglewood, North Carolina, right. uh, when he and Brian were on wheel power. And for anybody that remembers the wheel power team, like that team was deep. So it was Alan and Brian, um, older guy named Joe Stifler that won a lot of races. Um, Kevin, I can't think of his name, but a lot of super fast Maryland guys. And, uh, yeah, so, so I knew, um, Alan and Brian from, from their days in, in Maryland for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, tell us a little bit. So then moving into uh, coming out west, California, getting a job at uh, Snap Magazine. Um, tell us about how all that uh, yeah, came about. It's, you know, it's funny. It, it's still crazy. Um, I, I left Virginia in the winter of uh, 98, I think just after Christmas. Um, my then girlfriend uh, flew out. We drove back uh, across country. Um, landed in California, was, was living with her and her roommate at the time. And, uh, I remember 
Um, this was pre-internet. This was pre a lot of things. Um, I went to the library one day and I wrote Keith Mulligan an email and it was nothing more than like, Hey Keith, um, you don't know me, but I know you. And, you know, I raced, uh, your local track Shoreham, New York, uh, a bunch of times back in the day. Uh, don't know if you guys are looking for anybody, but I would be beyond psyched to, uh, to, to, you know, be involved with anything you guys had going on. And I think it was just right place at the right time. Um, Brad McDonald actually gave me a call. And I remember going down there for my for my interview. And if uh, if Keith, if you're listening to this, or, or Mark Losey, if you're if any of those guys are listening to this, they're probably laughing hilariously because, <laughs> like, not not knowing, you know, like really like what the mag was all about at the time. Like, I showed up there in a full on like three piece suit, <laughs> carrying a freaking briefcase or something. It was horrible. <laughs> so I can only imagine like what those dudes were thinking when I strolled through the door. Like, who's this goobatard? <laughs> So anyway, I, I remember, you know, going through the interview and uh, I, I remember leaving Ride Publishing thinking to myself, like, if nothing else comes of this, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, I've, I've been, I've seen the inside now. Right. And the, tell us, because there was Snap Magazine, but there's Ride Freestyle Magazine as well, right? They right. Both. Was there another magazine as well or just uh, two? There, so there was there was Snap and there was Ride and we also did a, um, a business publication, right. an industry publication called BMX Business News. So if you worked on if you worked on either Ride or Snap, you definitely had to contribute to uh, BBN at the time. So that's uh, that's kind of how that went down. And I guess a few days went by. I can't remember exactly, but uh, um, I I they brought me in. You know, we're gonna give it a shot. And what was funny was I remember sitting at my desk, and I couldn't have been there for more than like a week or so. And some random guy calls in, and he's like, "Hey." You know, do you know if they've hired anybody for that position? Like, I really, really want it. Maybe I can come down there and talk to somebody. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, like, All right, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it it all worked out, and uh, that was that. So who who was you living with? Someone you, obviously you came out to California. Was you where, where was you living? And so uh, living with my girlfriend and her roommate at that time in like West LA. Uh, so like, I think like gnarly commutes have been part of my life for like forever. Um, yeah. I didn't realize you that far away. It yeah. was, it was nuts. Um, but then, um, then we moved to Long Beach and, uh, then we got married and then that's a whole different story. So yeah, it was, uh, when I moved out here, it literally, I, I remember working like part-time in like a law firm or something, uh, for probably two or three months when I first got out here, you know, before things finally landed with, uh, with snap and ride and stuff. Well, you bought uh, a collection of magazines. We've just been looking at actually everybody and you know a bunch of guys were in this room previously to uh, hit and record, and we've just all been, you know, as we always do, reminiscing, looking through the magazines, saying how great BMX was in the nineties. <laughs> um, you got your first issue, so maybe tell us about your first, you know, first few weeks working for the magazine. Your first, uh, yeah, being involved in that first, uh, and it is nineteen. I'm looking at the date now, July nineteen ninety nine issue with uh, is that Timmy Strzelecki on the cover testing the uh, free agent. It is, yeah. So um, that was yeah, July ninety nine was uh, was my my first like full complete issue. Um, and it's crazy, you know. I flipped through this thing, and like I, I vividly remember that day that that we did the uh, the free agent limo test with Timmy. I remember these trails. I remember thinking to myself, like when we first showed up out there, like man, like these are big. Where are they? What? Are... I, you know, I want to say it was like 
It might have been like somewhere in Riverside, maybe. Is it Bose or somewhere? Well, I guess it we, definitely wasn't Bose. We didn't. We know. We even said before we started recording this, we can't start looking through the magazines during the podcast because we're just going to go sidetrack. <laughs> <laughs> get sucked in. Right. Uh, but I remember. So um, I definitely remember that test with with uh, with the free agent with Timmy. Um, the things that stand out to me, like my first my first event. Um, was ABA Phoenix, and I remember it was uh, myself, Keith, Darren Mitchell, um, BF, uh, and Timmy, and we uh, we rented a car and we drove out to uh, to Phoenix, and it was a uh, it was it was funny. Like one of the stories that I remember was you know so obviously with that cast of characters, you can only imagine like what was what may or may not have been happening in the hotel room, and I remember <laughs> Keith <laughs> looking at him and like yelling at him like hey hey not around the new guy. <laughs> So, uh, so that was uh, that was my first my first uh, race uh, with Snap was ABA Phoenix. And, and I, I I don't know how I remember this, but I do remember you was kind of going around the pits and you was talking to everybody. I think that's probably the first time I met you, and you was yeah just kind of scoping it all out, right? Yeah, totally. Like uh, Keith kind of introduced me to a bunch of people, and I remember uh, I remember the first time he introduced me to Christoph, and he's like, "Hey, you know, this is Christoph Levesque," and I'm like, "Duh, of course it's Christoph. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Everybody knows who Christoph is." Right. So uh, yeah. Uh, what so so like what would a day at work be? I mean, obviously, it's different every day, but I mean, is it like you you know when you see about reporters just deadlines and trying to get stuff done and you know trying to yeah get on location? I mean, was is it was it always hectic or was it kind of good schedule how it worked? Um, it was it was. It, you know, it's funny, like, no, Keith was a pretty, a pretty um, meticulous planner, like he would have like bike tests lined out and, you know, the events that we were going to and the interviews that we wanted to do. But man, those deadlines were always gnarly. Like I can remember it and it wasn't, it wasn't like one or two issues. There were more than a few where he and I would pull all nighters. And, wow. and there was one that we put to bed. I remember I was sitting that it was the next morning we had to send everything off. And this was when like Magoo and Bill Bryant were doing the layout for us. And uh, so we, we sent all the files over to Magoo and Bill, uh, you know, that morning. And I remember sitting in, in Keith's doorway, literally like sitting on the floor and he was full on having a conversation with me. And, and I, I like I could not keep my eyes open. I literally like fell asleep as he was talking to me. He like had to bang the desk like, James, wake up. Right. So, yeah, we definitely had some uh, we definitely had some all nighters putting that thing together. Was it like a rivalry with BMX Plus, like to outdo each other, or were you guys all? I'm sure you guys were all friends, but was it like you know you'd read that thing like, oh, we got to step up, or you know, vice versa, or whatever? Definitely, definitely all friends. Um, Adam Booth was super awesome uh, to to hang around with. Um, gosh, and I'm I'm spacing on who's throw me a bone here. Who is Adam and um, Ben? Ben Ben Crockett. Yes, yeah, super yes. rad dudes. Um, you know, I think. I don't know. This is going to come off sounding terrible. I, you know, I think that I think that the two magazines kind of serve different audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, not not. I, I really enjoyed BMX Plus. I thought Adam and Ben did a great job with it. Um, mm-hmm. It was just, I think maybe. I don't want to use the word. I don't want to use the word cookie cutter. I don't know that they had a ton of liberty to really do a lot with like, you know, articles and interviews and layouts and stuff like that. I know we definitely pushed the boundaries on some of that stuff with a few of those interviews. So um, never, never any, any bad vibes. Like we totally hang out with those dudes at races for sure. I think it was just kind of a, a, a different crowd. And what kind of numbers of, you know, how many issues per month were going out? I mean, can you tell us? Well, we did. You we was did. probably there in the peak, really, weren't you? Or the second, you know, the 90s peak, I guess, 2000s. Yeah, for sure. Um, one a month. Um, we did one a month for Snap. I don't think we ever did more than, than one a month. But it was, so I guess that would be 12 a year. And, 
man, thank God it wasn't more than 12 a year because we'd kill ourselves putting these things together every month. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite one? Or uh, I know I've got a few questions here we're going to ask further down. I guess, yeah, let's get into that then. So some of the, te- again, because not everybody who's listened to this, you know, read Snap Magazine, there was, uh, tell us about some of the, the monthly articles, the, the flashback, it'd be interviews, races. So give us a little bit about... Uh, what you'd see each month in the magazine. So I was pretty lucky because by the time I got there, um, Keith already had a lot of the um, articles kind of um, like, you know, we knew bike tests were always going to be part of the thing. Um, I remember when we created, like, we started doing like flashbacks with some of the, like the old school dudes. That was, was, I like that because that was before like now there's flashbacks all day long with social media. Right. But back then it really was like, oh my God, this is Kevin McNeil and you haven't seen anything of him in a, or in a magazine or you didn't know what happened to him for like 10, 15 years. So I remember that was a huge, you know, Mike Miranda or... Absolutely. You know, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So you, you know, back then, like you totally had to be a detective because like the internet, I mean, I remember... Like, we would literally yell down the hallway to each other, is anybody online? Because there was only one line there. So it was like total infancy of, of the internet. So tracking some of these dudes down, like, you had to go back and, like, you were cold calling dudes that hadn't raced in 20 years. Like, you know, hey, this is, you know, James from Snap. You know, I'm trying to find this guy. So it was like, you know, friends of friends of friends. It was uh, one of my favorite ones was tracking down um, uh, Shelby James. Still today, I love to know more about that dude, you know? So, I, yeah, tell us about it. You <laughs> yeah. and me both. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was kind of funny like Shelby when when I talked to Shelby for that flashback he reminded me a lot of like you know kind of how Thunder Dan left Mm -hmm. um when Shelby was done with BMX like as the story goes he had um I I guess he had had an opportunity to get a a basketball scholarship and I think he kind of had to make a decision whether it was going to be you know pro BMX or, or basketball and obviously he went basketball uh but yeah, when he cashed out his BMX chips, it was like he was he was just done. The book got closed. It never got reopened again, and 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 that was that. But it, dude, that I was totally fascinated with because I mean, if you remember that guy from back in the day, mm-hmm. like when he was fourteen, he was like pulling like twenty year old chicks. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure Big Daddy could tell some crazy stories because like <laughs> Eric was teammates with him forever. But yeah, Shelby was like that kid that like never got beat. You know quadrupled every weekend class cruiser open like you know the rivalry between him and dave milham like they'd only race each other i think it was like once or like yeah maybe once a year exactly yeah Yeah. and that was always like the oh my gosh david milham and shelby james right we're gonna go head to head so yeah shelby was one of my favorites yeah no i never never got to see him race in person but obviously saw all the the videos and actually yeah i did i saw him at the worlds when he came in uh 1986 he Mm -hmm. came to the worlds in england it was 12 13 expert unbelievable just put a clinic on you know just won both cruiser he was 12 because he won 12 and under cruiser and uh or 13 12 whichever it was anyway but he just destroyed both mains and just people you know people our age that you know still involved in racing or follow will still talk about that as much as tommy bracken's winning pro you know it's like how much shelby james won the worlds by you know totally so um other articles i i guess what what the one I wanted to ask you about with this, and a lot of the people tell us about the whole Eric Abadassa deal. Oh and, uh, man! And what happened and the interview and uh, yeah, give us a little background on that. So first of all, I'll say uh, I, I I love Eric, solid dude. Um, when when we were putting that together, you know, obviously there was a ton of talk going on back then, a ton of speculation about you know who was doing what, and it was always a pretty hush hush thing. Um, so for Eric to go on record and actually talk about that, you know, in print, 
Um, and he said nothing to no one until he to, until he talked to you guys, right? Yeah, I think so. Like Keith actually kind of spearheaded that article, so I know uh, he and Keith went went pretty far back too because they were teammates on Cyclecraft. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when when he came, he was he was the first guy to come out publicly and say, yeah, you know, I, I did it. Um, and it was, I mean, that was a pretty ground groundbreaking thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like I said, it was it was definitely talked about. You know, kind of in a hush hush whisper whisper, but um, yeah, when when he went public, it was it was definitely a big deal. I remember we, uh, I don't even know how Keith did it, but I remember we, we either we spray painted him green or he spray painted himself right, green like and he dressed up like the Hulk. Yeah. Yes. So uh, right. yeah, when when that came out, it was uh, like oh my gosh, I can't believe he's talking about it and you know taboo taboo and. Mm-hmm. And you, so your bosses obviously were cool about it, and, and Brad obviously right. Yeah. 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 The. Uh, I don't think there was ever any um, there was never any issue about whether or not we would run the story. It was just a matter of like, you know, if if he felt comfortable enough putting it out there, you know, would we cover it? And you know, since it was a relevant topic at the time, you know, yeah, we went for it. Did you guys talk to him after? Did he say, you know, I'm glad I did that and got it off my chest? Or I, I think I think so. From what I remember, like I remember the feedback being pretty positive. Like I remember getting. Uh, seeing a lot of letters where where dudes were like you know man psyched you know that, that that everything came out that he put all that on the table like way to put yourself out there kind of thing I don't really remember it, it's funny he didn't get nearly I don't remember anybody being like super bitter about the whole thing I mean obviously when all the you know well, everyone was scared of him beat everybody up right what was that race that they had the bench press contest uh, one of the Floridas I think Floridas. yeah I think it was Orlando and. Um, yeah, I know there's pictures in one of these magazines in front of us. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's the style man put it. I know maybe Ronnie Bonner as UGP maybe. That, that, that could have been. It was been. like a bench press. But I, it was Orlando anyway, for sure. Yep. So uh, that was good times. All right. Um, tell us about some of the, you know, you've been to some iconic races. Tell us about some of the good events you've been at. And, and you know, you was part of the Triple Crown when mm-hmm. all that was around. Uh, yeah, tell us about some of the, the, the your favorite events that you've covered over the years with the magazine. Man, there's there's been so many. Um Triple Crown stuff was was definitely exciting to be a part of because that was really when BMX started going in a in a way different direction. Was you guys involved in the planning and all what well, this what's going to happen and Keith more so because he actually raced a lot of those things. And in his the parents beginning. were his dad with the starter and officials, right? His mom uh, and dad. Yep. Yeah. And his mom, his yeah. mom too. Uh, so yeah, um, when that whole thing kind of got out there, uh, Keith was definitely a big part of that. Um, and then so were, you know, a ton of other dudes that, it, because I mean, really, it was a different group of guys that, you know, you had your guys that did really well, ABA and MBL, but then you had a totally different group of dudes that mm-hmm. did well with the downhill stuff. Um, it was the coming out of Kyle Bennett, really. Absolutely. You know? so yeah. It was, uh, Kyle was a skinny little A pro that nobody really, you know, was John's uh, stepson. Right. And then, uh, yeah, I think he got fourth, third or fourth at Mount High, mm-hmm. and that was it. He yep. was on. We got him on nerve after that, and then he just blew up. So I remember that. It was definitely the start of that. 2000, 2001. 2001, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've said this story before, but I was obviously I wasn't good at the triple crown, and I didn't do it, and I backed <laughs> out. Um, but uh, I remember I had to go to nerve after the race uh, and sit down with with uh, Doug Martin, who's mm-hmm. uh, the the marketing team manager guy, and he's like, oh. What's going on, Dale? Looks like this is the way BMX is going, and you know you're you're 29, and uh, you know this triple cross says, you know what? I can still do good at double A, but you should sponsor this Kyle Bennett guy. 
he's going to be really good at this triple crown stuff and, and you know and, and Alice was involved as well as a team manager so I'll focus on double a pro you know meathead racing and, <laughs> and Carl Bennett can be the, the the cool guy that does all the triple crown stuff so we picked up Kyle and then you know within two months Kyle's winning double a as well you know so I'm like oh man I really blew it so <laughs> So tell us more about yeah about the Triple Crown and and yeah tell us a bit more. Man, I just Meadows remember, winning, I guess. Yeah, that was that was Miranda. Yep, I mean both of those dudes. I mean that that whole deal was really about like you know you have a couple of good laps and the next thing you know uh, you know fifteen thousand dollar paydays and you know big X Games gold medal you know things around your neck and it was uh yeah I, I remember feeling super psyched when all that stuff was going down because I think it was kind of uh I think it was. I don't know if shot in the arm is the right word, but it was it was cool to see BMX racing kind of going in a little bit of a different direction. It was it was good to see guys like Kyle, um, you know, Justin Lafredo, you know, dudes that that mm-hmm. you know kind of struggled in Double A. That's really where they they shined, like the the skills guys. So I, I remember being super excited about it. I think back at the time, I don't know if we were 100 percent convinced that it was here to stay, but I remember thinking it was pretty rad. Yeah, I mean, looking through the the mags of the coverage, it was yeah just. The, the, the pictures and the stories were yeah I mean you say you see even now when once in a while somebody will pop one on Facebook or something and everyone will like a lot of people will comment on anything Triple Crown you know the pictures are so cool you had Miranda winning the first one uh, then there was the two rounds at Mount High which Robert DeWild he was very good at that as well yep he yep. passed Allier the, and I think can give Thomas a nudge off the track and won the second round then the next day Allier came back and won it, and then that gave Sanchez the overall with two seconds. Right. Yeah, and then Meadows won the X Games, right? That's it, yep, exactly. Backed it up, so. Um, all right, so a little bit about that. What, um, yeah, what are some of the guys you've interviewed who who was good interviews, who maybe wasn't? Anybody in particular that, you know, did anybody ever say no when you guys used to call and want to do stuff? Or? Um, no, no, nobody, nobody ever said no. I mean, obviously there are guys that you kind of click with um, quicker than, you know, other dudes, um, loved, I mean, love talking to everybody. It, it was kind of funny. Cause like when I first got there, um, a lot of the NorCal guys, uh, I, I got along with pretty good. So like, I, I always had fun, like talking to coach G. I always had fun talking to Terry Tanette. Like all those, all those dudes were always like just super friendly when, when I first came on board. So, uh, I'd always like, I laugh about it now, but I remember like interviewing Greg, it was always like that dude was a consummate sponsor name dropper, man, Greg, you know, you, you were flying this weekend. Right. Like, you know, you've been like doing extra training. Well, I just want to thank WD 40 right. and my tires yeah. were really hooking up. <laughs> like, what are you talking right. about? And that's before the motocross guys were doing it probably as well, you know, but they do now, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, and there was uh, that, that other article that you guys used to do the, um, fabulous five. Fabulous Five. That was a super fun one. Um, kind of, you know, taking a page out of the old BMX action days, you know, with the Terrible Ten. Um, I remember when we put the Fabulous Five thing together, that was that was awesome because, like, all those dudes, although they were they were younger, like, I, I super admired all those guys, you know, Brandon Nichols and Bubba. You know, that was back when, like, the Arizona dudes were blowing up. Ian Stoffel was on fire. Clint Gower had just come on the scene, and he was killing everything in 19 to 27. Um, so that was, uh, you know, and obviously Donnie was a part of that too. I, I remember, you know, going out to, I think we shot that at, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think we shot that article at Ontario and then came back to the office. And, uh, yeah, that was hands down one of my favorite, um, articles that, that we did just because like I knew those guys super well, super comfortable with all of them. They were rad dudes to work with. So yeah, that was, that was good. And of course the, uh, the other one that I really loved, we did, a, um, we did a, a series called sizzling rivalries. 
And uh, for oh, anybody yeah, yeah, who remembers, yeah. like, yeah. so when before Donnie turned pro, um, Donnie used to go head to head with this kid named Daniel Harper. Was he orange local? Harper? Um, I think he was a coke. Ah, he might have been an orange local, Someone either orange or cocaine. Yeah. Um, but he was a, he was a Redmond kid, right? And of course, Donnie was power light. Yes. So there was no love lost between those two, and I I don't think there was any love lost between either one of their dads either. Right. And I remember uh, I remember ABA Del Mar at the Falls. Uh, they were, and this must have been like sixteen X, maybe seven, or maybe it was even younger. But they were they were just battling all weekend long, and I remember both of those guys going down the last straightaway. And if you remember Del Mar, the last straightaway butted up right against the, the the sidelines, like the grandstands. So I remember like like Daniel just coming over on Donnie, and like Donnie's helmet, like literally like just rubbing against the concrete, right. and neither one of those dudes would back off for a second. So it was like I loved watching those two go at it because like they might have hated each other, but it was some of the best racing I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, <laughs> or the amateur racing. I mean, because everybody was on big teams, and like the amateur racing was as good as watching the pros. You know, it, some of them for sure. Um, bike tests, that's obviously a big thing with uh, the, the magazine. So, um, yeah, tell us about some of the, the tests and bikes. And we, I mean, you'd always hear that about, well, they advertise with the magazine, so they're not going to give them a good review. And you even right. see that today in, in motocross magazines and stuff. Is that, how did you guys deal with all that? And was you guys really um, said what you thought? It, it's kind of funny because I almost like looking back at it now, like we were so anti that, um, that, that point of view, like, like, one thing that I'll say about that whole team, whether it was Keith or whether it was Brad, um, really, really, um, really, really integrity based. So for us, it wasn't, you know, like if, if a bike did bad, we said that the bike did bad. Um, if a bike was great, we, we said it was great. So it wasn't, it was pretty church and state over there. There wasn't a whole lot of like, Hey, uh, this guy will advertise if you give him a good review. There was zero of that going on. Like it completely right. unheard of. Now, is that necessarily a good thing? Uh, you, you might debate that these <laughs> days. But uh, yeah, no, it was, like I said, pretty pretty church and state. So for, for us, when we did bike tests, it was, A, it was awesome because um, I got to watch uh, Scott Yokelet ride a bunch and he was awesome. I've always thought he had awesome style. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, especially remember like all the invert uh uh, invert contest yes, series. Yes, uh, dual slalom. Yeah, yeah. Like he he did really good. Well, he was there. good at the triple crown as well. I think he made a couple mains. Absolutely. Um, uh, so like getting to watch Scotty ride. You know, obviously uh, super big Tim Strelecki fan as well. Like we we always had like really good dudes that that tested that had good style. So it was a uh, you you always just hoped like for the most part everybody came away pretty unscathed. Right? I remember we were shooting with Scotty one time and man it was a. Uh, he was testing a Diamondback, if I remember correctly, and and something I can't remember what what went sideways, but he went down <laughs> hard, uh, and it, it I I was thinking like man this is gonna be like lights out for sure, right. and uh, gave him a couple minutes, dusted himself off, grabbed a bottle of water, and boom back in action. Back those dudes were those dudes were ridiculous. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Nora Cup, huge thing for uh, you guys, so. Uh, yeah, talk Nora Cup. Nora Cup was was awesome. Um, so many good stories from from Nora Cup. Um, I remember uh, I remember hanging out with um, Abadessa and Eric Mal, uh, yeah, Rick Malterno um, one night at Nora Cup, which was awesome because I've always been a standard fan and I'm super psyched on both of those dudes. So that was really rad. I think the whole thing with Nora Cup was I remember when um, 
when Keith and Brad decided to bring that back. And it was always like when, when we put that thing on, whether it was Vegas or wherever that thing went down, it was always a, a super big deal to make the, make sure that thing came off, um, pretty pro, which is crazy because if you ever went to Nora Cup, I mean, it was like, I think within like the first 10 minutes of everybody being there, everybody was like completely sideways. Right. So the, uh, yeah, those were, those were super good. There was a, the one Nora Cup that stands out to me, um, Keith had asked me like literally like an hour before like the doors open. Um, okay, you're you're gonna be shooting the uh, everybody coming in, you know the the whole red carpet thing. I remember being so bummed, like oh that sucks. I don't want to do that. That's a terrible assignment. And uh, my buddy Mike Cleveland at the time, he was a freestyle kid, but uh, you know he just starts feeding me drinks. And before oh. you know it, like I'm completely sideways. Like but the, but the photo thing was awesome. Just having a, a a ball. End of the night, like I mean it slurring blurry vision it was bad it had a big big shout out to uh to christian christian got me back up to the room saved the camera (laughs) saved the camera that was huge i thought for sure like that was that was definitely like a go down with the ship kind of night and uh had it not been for christian uh i don't even know if i would have had a job the next day (laughs) i remember the first nora i think it might have been just for racing but i I seem to remember there was a race nora cup on its Mm -hmm. own during a fall nationals you're right yeah somewhere down in san diego maybe i think it was yeah it was and i remember that's funny because i think we did it in like a hotel room banquet or something right it was definitely like it was it was rad that it was just a race thing but i remember it was also pretty stiff Right, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. The, the, and a race weekend. On yeah, a race weekend, Double yeah. stiff. Did we, yeah, Everyone's was... eating power bars and drinking Cytomax. <laughs> exactly. That, yeah, it was, luckily that event uh, took a drastically different turn uh, shortly after. Right. Do you think, that, I know it's still got, because the app, the source now in, in the UK, don't they? I mm-hmm. think they do now. Do you think that was something that could come back to racing, do you think? Or would be, would be valuable to... Um, have something like that? I, I hope so. Like I was, I was super, um, I was super psyched to see that even when um, I think there was a year, and it, you probably know better than I would, but I when when Snap, which eventually turned into Transworld, when that went away, I want to say there was there were still a few years in there where when Ride was doing it, mm-hmm. they, they yeah, still no, they did because the Maris won it when was with, with Free Agent, um, and I seem to remember Keith was you know kind of the force to keep the racing a little, you know, dangling in there, you know, yep. obviously it was a different scene, completely different scene, but I think Keith always batted a little bit for, for racing. I remember when Maris won it the first time when he came out here, which would have been 2009, I think, 2009, 2010, when he won the North Cup. But he, you know, I we we got invited to go to the to the night thing and uh, and I, I I tried to tried to explain to him because he didn't know what North Cup was. Oh wow. You know, so I was like, "Hey, I think there's a good chance you're going to win. You're in the last five or whatever it was, last ten, last five. I, I feel like you might win it. And uh, this is what you need to do. You need to, uh, you have to go to the stage and get a cup, but get up there, say thank you to everybody and get off there really quick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in this environment, you know. And uh, yeah, but I remember he really, he did all, after that we went back and we showed him all the history about it all when he won it. And he was really stoked. I think he won it twice. So That's uh, awesome. yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, definitely Keith kind of kept it going. I think a little bit after, at least for the races, and it came back a little bit on and off. I think Warwick won it a little bit, and um, I think uh, Sam Willoughby maybe was the last guy to win it. I think, yeah. yeah. It, like sometimes it's like it's coming, and then it, I think it's been on and off a few times. But I think it would be something cool if they actually did uh, bring it back. James, tell us a little bit about BMX business news. 
So that was the the industry publication that we did. It was kind of geared for like um, the the main purpose for BMX Business News was to kind of educate uh, bike shops about what was happening in the BMX market. And um, so there was there was I think it was a I think we did four issues a year if I remember correctly. And, and yeah, the whole idea, you know, there was so much happening in BMX at the time that shops just weren't really up to speed on, and there wasn't really a place for retailers to get that information. So, um, so we kind of took it upon ourselves to provide a little bit of education. And I remember like we would go, uh, and when we went to, uh, to Interbike in Vegas, we actually did a, um, I remember setting up a, a ballroom about how to merchandise your store. Uh, kind of thing. So that was really what BMX Business News was all about was, you know, how to be a better retailer, how to figure out like what's going on in the the BMX market. And that's, you know, kind of towards the end of my days there. That's kind of the thing that I I gravitated towards most. And I think that's why the, the Haro thing worked out as well as it did. I mean, there at the end, it like, not not in a, a bad way, but it just, you know, dudes were doing triple whips and flips this and that the other. And like, while that was rad to watch, I was always kind of more interested on like what was going on on the business side of things, you know, talk to me about cost of goods and margin and gross profit and all that stuff. So BMX Business News was kind of where all that was happening. So just, you know, kind of where I naturally gravitated to. So uh, yeah, that was, that was BBN. Yeah. So how did it come to an end then for you with the whole uh, um, moving into Haro? So it was, gosh, I want to say like Mark Losey had left maybe a year earlier. What and, did he go on to do? Um, I want to say back then. Nike is it, it, Yeah, that might have been when Nike had started up a BMX program. Um, but when Mark left, he kind of handed over the BMX business news reins to me and mm-hmm. I got to do it for a year, but then like, you know, kind of that time frame, 2000, that would have been like 2006, um, you know, advertising dollars weren't getting any easier to come by. I think there were a lot of companies that were really struggling with like, okay, how, how do I advertise and ride and Transworld and BMX business news? Like that's just, I, we don't have that kind of an advertising budget. So when, and I think it was like right about that time, um, actually it must've been earlier than that when Brad sold Ride Publishing to uh, Transworld. Um, long story short, that when they, when they folded BMX Business News, that's when, um, that's when I got the call. Like, okay, time's up. Clock's oh, ticking. Wow. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Oh, wow. So, but it, like I said, it, it, it really, it couldn't have worked out better because it, now that I remember, at the time, we had just been bought by AOL Time Warner. So the severance package was ridiculous. Mm. Ridiculous. And uh, I remember, like I said, when, um, when the, because I think they'd sent out like a press release about it or something. And um, yeah, it was that, that same day, you know, getting the call from, from Joe Hawk about Haro. Um, I kind of figured, like, okay, this is this is gonna have a happy ending. And Brad went on to do Vital right straight away. Yeah, no, nobody went with him. He just kind of went on his own and, and uh, met new people and did new stuff. Or? A few people went with him. So back then, um, Todd Toth, our uh, head ad sales guy, uh, went over to Vital with Brad. Um, at the time, um, we were also doing uh, Transworld Motocross, and uh, if you remember, you remember Guy V, Steve. Yeah, Robertson? yeah, yeah. I met him a few months ago at an old school event. Yeah, yeah, I obviously know who he was as well. You know, so yeah. I think uh, I think right along that same time, he probably went over with Brad too. So I, I for sure it was Brad and Todd, and like I said, I think Steve probably went over as well. But I remember that was kind of like a you know. Um, 
we because I remember we actually did an article in, in BMX Business News about Brad leaving. And I remember oh, right. that was kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, he's the competition. Like, you can't give him any airtime, right. you know, blah, blah, blah. But no, I mean, that's Brad saw, he saw the writing on the wall. Um, and I mean, that dude's always been a step ahead of everything else that's going on. So, um, yeah. And Brad's was, still involved with Vital now, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, so um, now, as always, I'm not super organized. We did have, when we put the Facebook picture up uh, a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of guys were, was commenting and say, ask James this, ask James that. But I actually can't access those questions because <laughs> we're recording right now. But I do remember one, Alan Foster says something about, ask about a photo shoot. So tell us about that. So uh, I remember doing a, um, Alan was with Felt at the time. And I remember we did a, uh, we had to do like a, um, we had to do like a cruiser, like a beach cruiser photo shoot. And and they had felt it come out with this with this cruiser that it wasn't like a, a full-on like chain guard and fenders kind of beach cruiser. It was more like kind of like a BMX style beach cruiser. And uh, I remember we went to Sheep, and I remember shooting photos of Alan, like, fully uniformed out on this felt beach cruiser, <laughs> thinking to myself, like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing here? <laughs> and and I think uh, Alan would probably know better than, than I would, but I think some of those photos actually got used for a, a felt catalog. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a, definitely a, a super fun day. And what I do remember from the questions as well was uh, the GT, and I was there, so that's what I do remember as well. The GT, <laughs> tell us about the GT um, launch party for the Ultrabox, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, hands down, uh, kudos to TC and, and to Billy Griggs. That was the coolest product introduction I've ever had the pleasure of being a part of. So for anybody that remembers the um, the Snap offices, we were, uh, we were in a town called Tustin, and right down the street was Mr. J's Strip Club. So it that 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 club may or may not have been frequented for uh, a few different uh, extracurricular <laughs> activities, but uh, so that day that day TC and, and Billy show up and uh, they're like, hey, you know, we want to unveil this new you know frame. Come meet us at the club. So we we head over there and it's like eleven o'clock in the morning. Remember, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, hand us just a stack of ones and are just like, have at it, go crazy, enjoy. And, and that's, I always like appreciated that about GT because like whatever GT did, like they went big. Mm-hmm. Um, remind, ask me about the whole Jeremy McGrath interbike thing. Right. Crazy story there too. So, so we, we have just this crazy time at Mr. J's strip club. Um, like, you know, handout. I, I mean, it must've been like 400 bucks that they gave us. It was ridiculous. Um, and then, you know, end of the thing comes, you know, they wheel out this cart, like full on, like black velvet curtain type deal, you know, unveil the frame. And like, by that time you're like, this is the greatest day ever. Like whatever you're showing me under this blanket is going to be amazing. And it was just, uh, it was just super low key, rad vibe, fun time. Like some of those things can be super stiff. And that was just, uh. That was, yeah, that was yeah. amazing. Now, I remember I was there. I think half the pro team were there as well. It was <laughs> the first time everybody showed up. <laughs> and everybody wanted to be there. And, and you was a little bit when, because obviously Jeremy McGrath was was on GT when we was. They were sponsoring him during the motocross, and he, you would see him at certain photo shoots and stuff. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you did, you know, some of the stuff you might have done with Jeremy. So with, I remember my, the the I think it was my first... First or second Nora Cup. I don't remember which one, but but I was hanging out with uh, with Heath Pinter. And somehow I got separated from Keith and Mark. And, and Heath and I wound up over at, I think it was like, uh, it might have been Cheetahs. 
And like the whole GT crew was there, and Jeremy was there, and this was like at the peak of Jeremy's Randy career. Randy Lawrence was there as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. There, I think every stripper in that entire club was right. like on his jock, and I remember like Heath and I just kind of sitting back and like just having like the the, mm-hmm. the rejects coming over, and we're mm-hmm. like just a high five each other, going like, "This is the raddest night ever." He really was the king. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. So that was yeah. Anything, anything. Jeremy was involved in GT was involved. In, it was just it was it was big. So to to be able to experience that like that was that was a pretty wild i've got thing. a lot of the old uh, gt you know we used to get all the, the videotapes you know i always get the you know of all the races everything gt did i got copies of everything i still got it all and um still got a lot of uh, stuff with jeremy on like in the back uh on the back gt track and some stuff mm-hmm. at sheep but he actually rode i think i talked about this a little bit with billy griggs as well like he actually was really good was it really? You know, yeah, no, I mean on the bike, you know, on the BMX, you know. Really? Like he, on that GT, this footage of him, we got. I'll, I'll pull it up and post it at some point, uh, riding that back GT track. And again, I spoke about this before on the podcast, how, how tough and technical that track was. Yeah. You know, we all struggled there. It was like Loraldi and Chad Hanez and, and, and Mario and Dan Hans, Shanham, they were better than all the double A's on that track, you know. <laughs> so Nelson, I don't think he even ever showed up, you know. <laughs> But uh, but there was there's a lot of footage of, of McGrath riding there and like yeah he rode he rode really good on the BMX wow. saying that was one of the thick of his, his Supercross as well at the time you know so did he ever race BMX yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he raced with Brian Lopes uh, like uh, I think like mid eighties he raced with Lopes and maybe Todd Lyons you know that kind of Robert Swick so like re- legit expert yeah no no he was a legit rider I think wow. he rode for VDC if you look at some of his old pictures and stuff oh wow so, yeah obviously it was before my time but I've seen some of the magazine stuff that he was in so yeah if you ask Brian Lopes they they raced together so. Uh, I thought that was always cool. Um, all right, so let's go to moving into Haro then. So, um, yeah, you said Joe Hawk reached out. You guys made an agreement, and uh, yeah, you're still here now. So, tell us a little <laughs> bit about that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the transition actually worked out really well. Like I said, the you know the whole AOL Time Warner you know severance package was super rad. Um, left on really really good terms, which which is always awesome. Um, zero you know bad blood there whatsoever uh came over to you know the haro side and literally i mean talk about having to learn an entirely new vocabulary like i was just talking about like you know word count and captions and you know shutter speeds and f-stops and you know everything that's related to like magazine stuff and then to come over here and like start picking up like sales language you know where you're talking about freight and dating and you know all that stuff so it was uh Talk about starting from scratch. I had no idea what I was doing here for a really, really, really long time. Um, but uh, it, it, they kind of, and that's kind of how Haro works anyway. You know, it's trial by fire. You know, you get thrown into the deep end and you figure out if you can swim. And uh, I guess I could swim okay. Was Tony D here when you was here or uh, DB, more DB, right? Uh, no, tail end of Tony's career. But yeah, I got to work with Tony for um, for a short time. Um, I the, the I love Tony D. Right. Love Tony D. Uh, hands down one of my favorite people in the industry. What we always laugh about here, though, is Tony was adamant about like when the whole thing with BMX Freestyle was happening, when like dudes were crossing over from like running 36, 13 gearing, stuff like that. Tony was like adamant, like 25, 9, it's not going to stick. It's a fad. It, don't put it on any bike. <laughs> It's a complete total mistake. <laughs> and I remember, I remember like when I interviewed here, I remember sitting on the couch, sitting on Joe's couch in his office and, and like having to just trying to gently, delicately find a way to say like, your bikes kind of suck. Right. Because everything back then it was it was it was heavy. It was a little behind the curve. It, sorry, Tony. I love you, man. You, you did good <laughs> things here, but that was the one thing that I remember was like 
tw- you know, he just would not come over to the 25.9 dark side. Oh, right. So for, for years it was like, you know, how come you guys aren't running the microdrive drive chain? And uh, I got nothing. But yeah, I also uh, had the pleasure of working with Derek too. Derek was a Tony D hire. Um, and I think this was kind of Derek's um, first go at kind of cutting his teeth on the whole product management side of things. Because he transitioned, obviously, from AA into the, into the full-time gig. Yeah. yeah. So same, same for him. And yeah, like new for him as well, right? Yep, absolutely. And so to say you was, you know, you was heavily involved in the race and you did, we didn't really see you though, even though we knew you was at Haro, you didn't really get, you weren't really too involved with at least the, the races and stuff. Why should you use more in-house and as you, as you currently are now, right? Yeah, very much so. So like, you know, I get to do all of the sales stuff, which unfortunately doesn't cross over to much of the athlete side of things or like the event side of things, but it's cool. Um, because like everybody that kind of comes through here, you know, everybody's like, you know, a couple of degrees of separation, like, you know, Hey, you know, I know this guy. Oh, I know that guy too. So it's, it's, I haven't been able to do a lot of stuff with Haro on the, like I said, on the athlete side of things, um, just because sales is kind of an environment all in its own. Um, but I've always tried to stay up to date with it. Yeah. And obviously we, we talk all the time when I come down here, we always <laughs> start reminiscing and, and talking about current we just said reading all these magazines how like say how, how some of the great things that you think was happening then that could probably help bmx racing at least now some of those things and, and you still pay attention to racing mm-hmm. um what what do you see when you uh, like to ask everybody this that's probably maybe not the track as much anymore what what are you seeing in bmx racing and uh, what are we uh, what are we doing wrong it you know the the thing that I've seen change um a lot like you know from back in our day I don't remember and maybe I was just blind to it, but I don't remember everybody and their brother being sponsored or hooked up. Like, I remember, like, the GT Pits, like, that was sacred territory. You just don't wander to the GT Pits and start talking to Bill Nelson. Right. You just don't walk up to Gary Ellis and start blabbing on about, you know, how my five-year-old novice son needs right. to get sponsored. <laughs> like, it, but that happens now. Yeah, and yeah. it baffles me because from, like, the business side, you know, we talk about race all the time here. And, you know, I poor John, he's a... Uh, he, he loves the category, but he understands like how disproportionate it is to the, like the freestyle side of our sales. And we, we always talk about just how there are so many sponsored kids these days and how everybody is hooked up. And, you know, there's somebody's got a, you know, grassroots team or a flow program. So that's, you know, as far as like, you know, quote, what's wrong with BMX, it, it, it's and maybe this is just a sales guy in me, but I, I think that's kind of a bummer that things went that way because I remember like coming up, it was a big deal to be a part of even a bike shop team, much less, you know, co-sponsored or, or you know, Dare You Dream factory sponsored. And it's like I said, it seems like everybody is, you know, has some kind of an in these days. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I never really got into the whole like flat pedals versus clip pedals deal. Uh, she was obviously right there in the middle when it all went down. Yeah. Right there in the middle when it all went down, you know, people, you know, would, would, you know, ostracize, you know, Lopes or, you know, Mike King, you know, all oh, these guys ruined PMX with clips. And I, I never, I gotta be honest, like I never really saw it that way to me, whether you had flats or clips on, if, if it was good racing, like that's all I cared about seeing. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you, you could have put flippers on Randy and Kyle when they were battling for the title. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, it still would have been like amazing. So I never really understood like why everybody, you know, kind of drew a line in the sand and it was like, you're either, you know, clips or your flats. And, you know, like, what are, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. 
What about um, Olympics? Obviously, Haro's been deep in the Olympics for the last three three cycles, pretty much. So yeah. you guys have always obviously had Olympic. You guys were talking Olympics today when I came in. So <laughs> obviously with freestyle now as well, you guys really have to... Um, I don't maybe you don't I don't know but um, obviously you're going to pay attention to that side of it as well so what's your views on the Olympics and uh, say Haro's had some pretty pretty good success you know Nick Brooke Kalen before that yep uh, yeah tell us about uh, thoughts on Olympics and everything super super psyched to be affiliated with a brand that's had like such heavy hitters it's a uh, it, it's crazy you know we we still talk today about you know Nick's lap Mm-hmm. You know, and how like I mean, how many guys so close? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we we literally like we moved the TV up into like the main part, like the sales department upstairs, right. and like the entire company was watching that. And yeah. it was e- even for those people that had no idea like what BMX was all about. Right. We were all losing our minds. Oh, of course, like yeah, that was yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And like from a, from your perspective, like how many races like have you whole shotted come out of the first turn first, and you're like. Got this online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the difference these days is like, I mean, I remember like watching you guys and, and thinking to myself, like, there's no way BMX can take another step up. Like, it can't get faster. It can't mm-hmm. get smoother. These guys cannot get more talented than what I'm seeing now. And I watched Nick do his thing and Joris and Aiden and like, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. One little millisecond slip up and well, I mean, yeah. we know what happens. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, you know, am I psyched that that racing is in the Olympics? Absolutely. I think, you know, because haven't we all been talking about that for oh, every day? Mm-hmm. You know, 80s, 90s, you know, we were all dreaming. Like, what what's going to happen to BMX racing, you know, if it gets in the Olympics? And, you know, it's super rad that it happened. I, I mean, from a from a business side, you know, has it has it been a game changer for our race sales? Uh, no, no, admittedly not really. But I don't know that it's been a game changer for anybody's race sales. Right. Um, do you think, like, the cost, obviously, you're involved in sales. So do you, and obviously, you know all this stuff from the, the 80s and 90s, you know, approaching it yourself as in the 80s and then obviously involved in the business in, in the 90s and 2000s. So do you think, has it got too expensive with carbon and is it getting a bit too elitist, do you think, or... To, uh, what's your thoughts on all that? The cost of you know riding it, you know, from the days we would get on a BMX bike, go to Sheep Hills, and then you use the same bike to go to the track, and right. you know, the guys that went to the you know freestyle would do it on the same bike almost. You know, obviously that's you, you don't do that anymore. So you you don't. It, it's crazy. We were talking about it earlier today about like um, you know everything obviously in race these days is is carbon. So um, I think Brooke was asking uh, our social media guy, Joey Cobbs, like, hey, how come we don't do like some of the smaller um, carbon race frames, like a Micro Mini, a Mini, a Junior? When you talk about opening up molds for that stuff, I mean, so that's expensive. crazy expensive for one size. So, you know, while we understand that there's definitely like a technological aspect that's being pushed, it's one that like I scratch my head all the time, like looking at some of these brands, like how are you affording to do six different frame sizes? Because carbon frames would be a different deal if it was aluminum. But yeah, it's it's from the from the equipment sponsorship side, it's gotten expensive. But I mean, you know what I would wonder, and you could probably answer this question. What was the GT budget like back in the day for you and Robert and? The, the, I, I never, we, I never heard that word. I didn't hear the word, but I know there was a budget, <laughs> but I think we was all way under it. You know, I, I, I did hear at some point that the co-sponsors, you know, and I'm sure somebody can correct me. You know, TC or somebody would would be a good guy. To, I'd love to talk to on on a podcast at some point, but I seem to remember people saying that the, the co-sponsors 
covered everything and more when that salaries for freestyle race mountain bike and wow. you can look at some of the big hitters were on you know outside of racing and freestyle and the mountain bike program was a whole lot more expensive than racing so uh, yeah we, there was never you know there was never like hey we need to save the budget at least i never heard hey we need to, we're not going to the we're not going to the east coast next week because we need to save the budget i never heard wow. any of that and even with nerve for the first part of it you know which was kind of a, a spring of off from GT, a lot of the guys when we went to Nerve and started that, um, when that company started, really never heard. You know, obviously yeah, you had your deal and your contract, but you never was like you know like now we're like, hey guys, maybe we won't go next week and we can save a bit of money so to get us through the year. And even though you have a budget, you know, stuff changes and stuff gets expensive. But yeah, I never really heard the word budget at GT. You know, so wow. I think it was uh, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those guys would be great guys to talk to. You know, because some guys that really know those numbers and that. You know, we need to bring back. Co-sponsors. Yes, yes. And like I say, there was, I mean, there was Panasonic. I mean, you look through these magazines now, Panasonic, Shockways, Nike. I mean, we on GT, we got on Nike at some point. And we, we checked, we was Vans and LA Gear. But I remember when we got on Nike, and it, I think it was more on the mountain bike team, but there was a Nike deal for the BMX race team as well. And I think we all got, I think it was $3,000 or $5,000 to go to Nike Town uh, to to, uh, to 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 get what you want, you know, oh and that didn't include shoe, include shoes. Shoes just came all the time. You just have <laughs> Nike shoes all the time. And I remember Steve Pete was on GT the same time as as I was on GT, and so Steve would come and stay a little bit when he come down to GT, so he'd stay with us. Um, and I know Steve, like his Nike allowance was a whole lot bigger than ours, and we <laughs> couldn't like we I would get Christmas presents for everybody that you couldn't. You know, that was at um, cost or whatever it was, you know. So, you know, you get so much stuff. I think I think there's still Nike stuff at my parents' house. But I know, yeah, Steve's <laughs> Nike budget was even crazier than the race one, you know. So, Man. Uh, yeah, that was just uh, yeah, just one little part of it. From and, and I was only part of GT for a certain amount of years, you know. The stories before and after me, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm sure somebody like TC or Todd Huffman, you would get some real cool stories and you know, uh, yeah on the numbers side at least you know um, what were some of your favorite I guess let's say what were some of your bike brand favorites back then during during snap and um, uh, that you really liked bike brands and uh, what, what do you like now man good question um, you know being an East Coast guy I was always <clears throat> I was always a Rick Malaterno standard fan. I mean, everybody and their brother sweated a 125R when those things right. first came out. UGP, they, I'm sure you had a UGP plate as well, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yep, yep. Because, yeah, absolutely. You know, 100%. Because um, I remember, like, coming, you know, being out here, and, like, there were so many, like, crazy, I mean, everybody still talks about, like, remember those terrible Hawk frames? Oh, yeah, yeah. Square. Yeah, Lopes had two, one, yeah. Those, yeah. He, yeah. He, he, I think he might have been the only one that actually made those things, like, look good. Right, yeah, and he was only on for a short, short, I think before Mongoose, he was on for a little while. Right. 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 Um, so, so I always like standard stuff. Um, man, other brands that I liked. Um, I was always... Um, I was always a Cyclecraft fan because yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, I never really gravitated towards any of the bigger brands. I always liked riding like the small, little, weird, niche stuff. So like, I rode a lot of I rode Elf's uh, Cyclecraft. Uh, did a stint on like Free Agent before Same it was as me. I have to know those three as well. <laughs> yeah, like like remember when Free Agent was like before it was what like the it is yellow now? Kenny May Free Agent. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That, that limo was like cutting edge technology. Right, yes. Finally a frame with like a long front end, short back end. Right. I and think Billy said in his podcast he used that bike. You know, it was known at the time in the magazines he used that bike later on, you know. Yeah. So. And that team was deep too. Yeah, no, I mean that's when I think of free agent. I don't think of my time. I think of Kenny May, Galen Stalin and 
Chrissy yeah, Daly. Yeah, yeah, Todd Slavic. Yep. The, the, the uniform and the, the gear was so cool. Um, what about today? What what brands do you like now outside Haro and in race, I guess? And uh, yeah, maybe some of the riders you might like to follow today. Man, there's um there's a lot of them. I, I really like um I really like the Chase stuff. Uh, the other one that I like, and um, I don't know a ton about the brand, but like just from what I see from um, like frame designs, and I especially like some of the graphic stuff. Um, what's the brand that Corbin's riding for? Is it Daylight? Daylight, yeah. I like it's I Richard like Hoovard, yeah. Hoovard, yeah. yeah. Like I'm I'm definitely psyched on on what what they're doing. Um, like visually, I like it a lot. Um, I've always been a Bill Ryan Supercross fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, gosh, what else? I mean, obviously, I got it. What? And this is this is the big one. I got to give a nod. You know what? What Derek and Kirk are doing over there with um, with Speedco. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, no doubt about it. Um, Derek's definitely got an eye for that stuff. He knows what's going on. Um, lines are super good. The graphics look good. Everything about that program is is top notch. I still so. want to get a podcast with DB, but he told me he says he's he won't do it because he knows he'll go off and he don't want to get in trouble. DB, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'll sponsor first round at Dukes. Come on. <laughs> I'll get him at some point. I know I will, but yeah, I mean, you know what? It'd be it'd be fun. I think listening to. It'd be to but I think he's scared of himself, you know. So, um, James, that's great talking. Um, tell us a little bit about before we before we wrap it up. Um, what you do now? Obviously, you live in Marietta, Temecula. Yep. You like road bikes? You ride mountain bikes? You go into some of the local mountain bike stuff with Horo? So you're at the Sea Otter as well? Yeah, yeah. So we we uh, we went to Sea Otter. We do um, we sponsor uh, the Ramona High School team through the NICA program. So we get to do get to do some of the high school mountain bike races. Um, yeah, that's a uh, Murrieta. So I've got an amazing commute up and down the 15 every day, which is <laughs> how long awesome. does it take you? Are you in traffic every day? Or? Oh, it's it's yeah, it's next level stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even the amount of hours I wasted of of my life on that freeway. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. Like when I when I kind of left the BMX scene, like I didn't. Most dudes just went to mountain bikes, and all of a sudden, like I found myself. Being some weird leg shaven spandex wearing roadie dude, I'm still trying to figure out how how that one happened. A but lot the, of people went that way. It, yeah. From a fitness side, like it's it's good because I mean you can eat really terrible food and drink beer, and if you put in the miles, like you're you're good, right? And you're not breaking yourself off. So every, the wife was psyched about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, riding riding road now. I'm still horrible. About as good as I was BMX career, uh, and trying to get in on the mountain bike thing more. Like I've been riding with um, when I when I sort of quote borrow a bike from here. Like I'll go out and ride Greer Ranch with uh, like Mike Weatherford. I see that little group page. Yeah, the yeah. Guys. I got to get up there at some point. Super fun, super fun. Yeah, Matt Wine. Or wines from up there. Yup. Um, Daniel Greer will come out sometimes. Jay Rich will come out sometimes. Um, who was uh, Jay Rich brought out? Um, Oh my God, GT Kid, not Shanahan, but it was, um, and it wasn't Leroy. Oh, I know he lives near it, uh, Canberra. Near Canberra. Canberra yeah, lives yeah. near Jason. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's tall now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. I wasn't quite sure that was Larry, and when he kind of started dropping some some stuff from back in the day, I'm like, oh right. shit, Larry. He was Canberra. a badass amateur as well. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, he won a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, James, before we say we say, um, I, I got to ask you the last two two good questions, and it goes back to the magazine stuff. Um, how did when you guys were putting um, somebody on the cover? What kind of debates, arguments, how did the whole process work to, you know, this month's cover? All went down to the quality of the photo. Um, Keith would pour over a light box and it was whatever image um, 
whatever image he thought would 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 make the magazine pop the most. Um, I never remember any, or if there were talks. Well, let's look at some of these covers while we're wrapping this up. Okay. So you got a, uh, I actually posted that one on Horror, a uh, picture of him last week. Andre uh, on Horror. Uh, you got Duncan. So you guys had a good mix of dirt jumping and, and race covers. You know, Ali A. Um, TJ and Fuzzy and Robbie. Neil and Robbie. Alan got all, all got a, I think Neil got two or three covers, right? Must have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Robbie as well. What's your, uh, even if it's, there's a good one to hear of Hayden, I should have got that one when we did the podcast. Totally. That's because it's not in my stash of, uh, I might have to borrow this issue. <laughs> all good. Diesel. <laughs> Diesel. What's your uh, favorite cover? Oh man, favorite cover. It would it would have to be the it would have to be the the Strelicki cover only because this was the the like my first, first one. Yeah, first one like the the Josh Stricker one that came in like I I started like right at the very tail end of this issue. The Keith when Keith was putting this together, but yeah, this would this would have to be my my one just sentimental favorite for sure. Will magazines ever come back or are we? Is it is it over? Is man. it really over? I know. Because um, when Instagram disappears, when well, one morning when everybody gets up and Instagram's gone, something's happened. Somebody turned it off. Zuckerberg <laughs> turns it off. Ten years of history's gone. You know. Uh, man, uh, yeah. I can you imagine somebody turning off Instagram? Oh, it's gonna happen one day. I'm sure something weird's gonna happen or something. You know, it's gonna get out of hand and they're People just gonna are- hit the. Lose their minds. I mean, literally. I mean, people's. You know, it's their uh, the, their their last ten years or whatever they've been doing. You know, right. so uh, we can say we can look at magazines. Will Will they ever come back, James? Uh, you know, um, um, not not for not for this. The only demographic the magazines are going to come back for are the ones that they never left for. Like you know, guys our age, right? Because we don't. All we want to do is turn pages. Like we don't care about having an internet connection or swiping left or swiping right. <laughs> right. All we know how to do is is, is turn pages. And read. So, yeah. And read. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. James, let's wrap it up. Give us some final thoughts, words. So you um, want to say? Yeah. So definitely, I want to. Uh, I want to give a big, uh, a big thanks to uh, to that whole crew over there, Brad and Keith and Mark. Uh, no doubt, you guys saw a goony dude. Walk through those doors in a full-on three-piece suit, chewing gum, carrying briefcase. True story. True story. Uh, during that interview, and uh, a thank you for not punching me in the throat. Uh, thanks for giving me a shot. It's uh, n- no doubt about it. That ride was unbelievable. Um, including uh, the big shout out. Thank you for an amazing um, uh, bachelor party. Uh, they were. Uh, I got married while while I was there, and uh, that day I'm sure there's Keith swears there's photos that were floating around. Uh, Mr. J's uh, again at 11 a.m. start. If anybody remembers Troy McMurray and the ramps that were in the back of that warehouse, they had just been built. They snuck me back in the building that day, uh, and I I mean it, I don't think that that morning probably lasted all of about a half an hour, but I went from like golden to uh, like blackout that fast. And I remember they brought me back into that building. They hid me away under the ramp. I threw up all over myself all day long. I remember the first session on that ramp went down. And I remember you, because I was like pretty much blackout state, but I remember bits and pieces of that <laughs> having people like, hey, you know, there's a guy under the ramp. Is he okay? <laughs> people would roll me over. So, uh, so there's that. And I, I definitely remember um, Yeah, shout out to, uh, to Steve Crandall and the FBM crew. We showed up to uh, MBL Grands race one year and, uh, 
uh, Keith had the brilliant idea of taking um, sunscreen and like smearing it all over the uh, <laughs> the FBM guys' windshield. And you know, if anybody's ever been to the NBL Grands, that's just a long, long day. So 15 hours later, you know, we're stumbling back to the car that night. You know, photo gear, you're carrying just these heavy bags. I kid you not, we come back out to the parking lot. We had rented a uh, like one of those little geo tracker things, and they. <laughs> kudos crandall they had put it up on blocks taken the wheels off of the tracker and put the car up on blocks <laughs> and i remember like keith and i just looking at each other going like yeah yep they they won that round they, they got it so yeah that was uh those those are years um i wouldn't trade for the world robbie thank you i know you had a uh, a big part in um in in helping me get that job so so shout out thank you thank you uh and yeah um that's uh that's about it i mean i think looking at these magazines james we've got to say thank you thank you you know you keith keith another guy would be a great podcast and sure if somebody else doesn't grab him i'd love to to, to do one with him at some point i don't mind driving over there keith if you're listening um yeah i mean so much what you guys did and like i say you got you are really doc part of documenting bmx history you know like i say i've got my my snap uh, collection. I say I think I'm a few missing. I'm going to steal this Hayden one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we thank you, and I think a lot of people can. You know, you was a huge part of of what you did. So, James, thank you very much, and uh, it was awesome talking. And I'm sure we'll carry on talking once we've hit the uh, stop record. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, catch you all next time. Cheers. Right on. See you guys. <laughs>